0: My guest today is Bernadette Geyer. She is the founder of Geyer Editorial Services and my very first guest from Berlin, Germany. Welcome, Bernadette.
1: Thanks. It's great to be here, Casey.
0: It's so great to have you here. I would love for you to kick off how you got started in the profession that you're in and when you knew that you had a love for words.
1: Wow. I actually started writing creatively far before I got involved professionally in working with people on their words. And I have been kind of doing poetry and creative writing fiction and nonfiction since college, actually, so quite a while. I'm not going to say exactly how many years, but it was really when I was working for a trade association in the Washington, D.C. area, and I was their head of educational outreach, and I got to do a lot of business writing. So press releases. This was back in the days before blog posts, but we actually had a website and I did the writing for the website. I developed a lot of educational materials for science teachers. So in that, I started doing like a little more business writing. And of course, with a lot of the people that I worked with, they saw that I had kind of an eye for pointing out typos. (laughs) And really, it was during that period when I started thinking, yeah, I could really do this freelance, the writing and editing, website creation kind of thing. And then, you know, of course, once blogs were introduced, I started writing some blog posts for them too.
0: That's awesome. I love it. How do you personally keep your creative well full with all of the outpour of creation and writing and everything that you do? How do you stay creative?
1: I actually really have to force myself to make time for my creative writing. And probably uh, once every couple of months, I go out in the evening, my husband puts our daughter to bed, and I just go out and I deep dive into a creative writing project. And over the past few years, that has been short stories. So I've been writing a, a lot of short stories about Berlin. It's oh, wow. it's really, the city has inspired me.
0: That's very cool. I love that. I'm so curious too, because I know that you help creative people, professional speakers, coaches, and startups. But where I'm seeing based on your website that you're specializing in is really helping German-based companies bring their message into more English-speaking countries or clients. Talk to me a little bit about how that is because we all have like a different way of showing up in the world and relating to the written word. So what do you find is like the biggest challenge to pivot or make that kind of transition for your German clients?
1: Well, my clients, all of them speak English and all of them, you know, can understand and write in English. Of course, you know, as a native speaker myself, I can point out when things are not quite as clear for an English speaking audience that's not used to communicating with people who speak English as a second language. There are certain sentence structures in German, that many Germans will carry over those sentence structures into English. So the sentences kind of get a little bit topsy turvy, and it's just a matter of tweaking the sentence order sometimes, or, you know, finding a word that has the proper nuance to it out of like my brain full of English words. And so the biggest challenge is just really making sure that I am communicating in English exactly what they mean and making it clear for an English reader.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense especially the nuances and I have a client that has one of her new hires is from Germany and she's from Canada and she said she speaks so beautifully but when it comes to the email responses there is exactly like you're saying that sentence stem structure or whatever that's just slightly off and she's like i'm not sure how to train that like and maybe it is just practice or or like you said those nuances right would you have a tip for somebody like that
1: well really just trust your translator that's kind of the big thing i know that there are apps out there that do a very good job of translating you know and and certainly i kind of use them sometimes in the reverse to make sure that i'm getting my german properly but of course context is really key and you know you might just need somebody to check over to confirm that that app translation doesn't get you into some hot water especially yeah. <laughs> especially if you're working on contracts or agreements or even offers for potential clients.
0: Yeah, such a good point. I actually love your tagline that no app can replace you. I think that's brilliant. I mean, it's just, it's so clever. And I feel like in today's market where so many of our positions are kind of being outsourced to apps <laughs> right it's right. really nice that you turned it around is like a strength where it's like you're you're never going to replace that human element talk to me a little bit more about your thoughts on that tagline
1: well actually it came out of i did a lot of work on like figuring out my unique selling proposition <laughs> and I've worked a lot with, as you mentioned, creative writers. So I've done a lot of copy editing of novels. And one thing that an app is not going to find, and I have actually found this in some of the novels that I've copy edited in the past, I've found where an author will accidentally change the eye color of their protagonist midway through the novel. I will go back and I'll be like, Hey, you know, you you mentioned back in chapter one, they've got blue eyes here. You're talking about some brown eyes. (laughs) Uh, Can you please confirm which it's supposed to be? Or they changed the nickname of the protagonist. I was copy editing another novel that had six different main characters, women, And about, you know, every so often you could tell when a chapter was written out of order and the author didn't refer back and see, you know, who was using which nickname. So nicknames got inserted that weren't used in other parts of the book. So these are the kind of things that, you know, I'm not going to mention the app's names, but these are things that the apps are not going to catch for you
0: absolutely yeah I, I truly feel that like that human touch you know that emotion it it just can't be replaced for sure i know that you have 20 years of experience between marketing and publishing and i'm wondering because you're also an author of branding for beginners where do you find your sweet spot when you like are jumping into that creative pool does it lean more towards branding or more towards writing i
1: really cannot write for a client without having the branding in my mind. They're kind of inseparable for me because when I'm writing, say, a blog post or website text, I have to have the person's voice in my head and I have to know who they are talking to. So, you know, if one client is talking, you know, as a B2B service provider and they are working with some like high level clients in a very serious industry, you know, like the people working in the legal profession are going to use a very different vocabulary and speaking style than maybe a life coach. A life coach will have a very different tone and so when I'm doing even creative writing you know I consider website text creative writing and really when I'm doing that kind of writing I have to keep the person's brand image in my head and you know their voice their tone and all of that so so really they're both inseparable for me
0: I love that yeah you're right it's such an integrated process and I think that More and more people, that's such a good point, need to have their target audience like right in their heart and in their minds when they're doing any kind of writing at all, right? Because we have to know it's going to land for the audience that we're serving. Today's episode is brought to you by Thrive Business Thrive, a step-by-step business building online course. Thrive Business Thrive takes you from a concept to paying clients in just 16 weeks. If you're tired of doing it alone and trying to piece together your business by watching one YouTube tutorial after another and following multiple experts, it's time to plug into a tried and true plan. Thrive Business Thrive focuses on results, increasing your impact, and moreover, establishing the foundation needed for a thriving business. To learn more about Thrive Business Thrive, your blueprint to create a flourishing business, visit kcrossi.com slash thrive. That's K-C-R-O-S-S-I dot slash thrive. What do you think makes a perfect brand?
1: <laughs> Something that's memorable. I mean, you know, that's pretty much the definition of a brand image is what people remember about you. So, you know, the perfect brand is something that not only connects with its audience, but something that they will remember and that they can actually, you know, once you have your clients repeating your tagline to other people for you, then, you know, you have found your branding.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That is definitely the sweet spot. What's one of your favorite brands?
1: Ooh, Moo. Oh, they're awesome. Fabulous. Moo does a really good job. And I would say, wow, airlines, but they're now defunct. But I think when they were around, they had excellent branding and it's just too bad. The management wasn't quite as good as their branding was.
0: Yeah. What do you like about Moo?
1: They've managed to be like hip and funky in a very boring <laughs> Area you know business cards I mean you know to make business cards fun and exciting and to make people like really you know happy to design a business card on their own, that's kind of something it it absolutely is oh, and I do have to mention also. Our transit system, the BVG BVG, here in Berlin, our transit system has an amazing marketing audience. They are just like really in tune with the way Berliners think. And they are sassy. They curse in their ads. They have like, you know, practically obscene things in their videos. But it is like, you know, that's That's their market.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and they know their market and they're not afraid, right? Exactly. Uh, What what would you tell like a startup or even, you know, a newer company who hasn't quite formed a brand yet? What would be some elements for you to want to say, hey, make sure that you include X, Y, and Z?
1: Well, definitely everything starts with knowing who your customer is and figuring out the tone of your brand for how you are going to communicate with them. And really from there, it drives everything else. I mean, you know, in my book, I talk about different visual and textual elements and like the text, like, you know, when you start with the tone and then you figure out your tagline you know, you can't develop a tagline before you know what your tone is. You need to also figure out some key terms and phrases that you are going to use to describe your products or services. And the most important thing once you have those is to use them consistently because if you say you have one single product, but you talk about that product using different words and different phrases every time you market it, then people, it's harder to remember. But if you've got, you know, one phrase, just do it. Like everybody knows you Yeah, and you use that, Consistently, if they said just do it here, or hey, do that thing you've been meaning to do, or get around to it, get off your butt and and do it, you know, then it's not cohesive. You know, yes. it's not as memorable as that one line over and over.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I do find, especially, I know our listeners are multi passionate entrepreneurs, a lot of creatives. And I think that one of the fears with staying consistent is that it's going to be boring.
1: But you find ways to be creative outside of those key messages. I mean, if the key message is there as the header, then the rest of your marketing text can be uber creative. Or, you know, the visuals, that's where you're creative is with the visuals that go along with the text, And, you know, the things that you have to be consistent about with your visuals is that they match the tone. You know, if you've got some funky pink elephants, but you're marketing legal services, that's kind of not going to click together. There's a miss. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. There's so many layers. I mean, I absolutely love branding. I think it's so much fun that you can actually evoke emotion with You know, with visuals. I just think it's it's fabulous. I I I love it. I'm I'm looking forward to reading your book. How was writing the book for you? What was that process like? Was that your first
1: published book? Well, it was my first published nonfiction book. I had a couple of poetry books before that, but this was also my first self published book. And the process once I decided, because I had an idea for a book and it was going to compile a lot of writings that I had already done in another context regarding copy, writing marketing copy. But then I had been doing an online workshop about branding and it was called like the no time guide to a brand style guide. But I really didn't feel like that format worked with my target client. And I thought, you know, they're not going to be able to sit down and watch a bunch of videos and take notes. You know, they want a book, they pick up the book, they read a chapter, bam, you know, then they put it into action or they, you know, carry it on the subway with them. So what I realized was I needed to turn the online workshop Into a book and so that jumped in first and once I had that I mean, I already had the structure in place from the online workshop. So it was just a matter of you know filling in the outline and turning it into prose and really, you know, like the actual process process was 500 words a day nice sit down Write five hundred words. You know, if I write six hundred, awesome. If I write three hundred, that's three hundred more than I had when I sat down in the chair. So it was just, you know, step by step through the process.
0: Yeah, I really like that. I mean, I totally see consistency as one of your brand values, and then you're just living it out, right? You're just exactly. living it out to make it happen, like step by step, little by little, and and just that's how you make progress in momentum. I know you've been a long time full-time solopreneur. Am I correct that it's been since 2006?
1: Correct. Yes. Okay. It was after I gave birth to my daughter and I knew that I didn't want to work in the 9 to 5 world as she was a toddler, as she was a baby and a toddler. And so, yeah, I went freelance starting January 2006, a month after she was born.
0: (laughs) Wow, that is incredible. How has it been being a mama and an entrepreneur? How do you juggle the work-life balance?
1: Juggling is correct because you can only really have like one ball in your hand at a time and the rest are kind of up flying up in the air. And I don't see it as balance like because some things, you know, everything's just going to be out of balance. One thing is going to be taking more attention at any given moment. But now that she's 14, it's really, you know, it's so much easier this way. She's an athlete and, you know, my husband takes her to all of her sports activities. And so really that kind of, Gives me the space and time to work on my freelance work. I also have a part time job as head of communications for a nonprofit called Hostwriter here in Berlin. So that also, you know, is a juggling act because I make sure that I fit my freelance work in around That schedule and sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes that's waking up at 5 a.m On the weekends to work on a project because you know, I have three and a half days in the office For my job
0: I'm so glad you mentioned that because I know many listeners Especially, well, at all different stages, actually, I have two things going simultaneously, if not more than that, right? Like we really are in a world where we're piecing things together. And if we choose this kind of higher risk, higher reward, which I always associate, you know, entrepreneurialism as Yes, there are so many wonderful benefits like freedom and flexibility and being that inspiration for your daughter, right? This is what a strong woman can do and make her own decisions and make an impact. So, all of that's beautiful and it is a juggling act. And sometimes we have to piece it together and make those sacrifices in order to have the other bonuses and benefits. What do you find is the most challenging in that or a lesson that you wish you knew that would have helped this just feel smoother?
1: I think I would have started a lot earlier to focus my business. I think when I started out, I mean, we moved to Berlin in 2013. We moved from the Washington, D.C. area. So when we moved here, I was kind of set loose and could do anything. I could start over, I could do something else. And I tried a lot of different things, which was fun was a lot of fun, but I probably would be a lot further ahead of the game as far as my freelance business if I had focused earlier. I think really my focus came in about 2016 when I really started looking at working with German companies and German coaches and speakers and entrepreneurs and helping them to communicate better in English.
0: I love that. And I do see that time and time again, that narrowing your niche, you know, as soon as it feels comfortable. I mean, we all have to play around with what's going to work. Where's our sweet spot? What's lighting us up? You may have had a concept that sounded great. And at the end of the day, you're drained and you're like, oops, didn't hit that nail on the head. So I know that there's always some of that in and out tumultuous feeling, right? I had that myself as well. It was kind of like, what am I going to be when I grow up? Like there's just that, that period of time where it's just like, maybe I'll try this. No, maybe I'll try that. Right. So it's like when you hit that niche and yours is pretty specific, that's when you really start to see traction. And I'm really glad that you brought that point up because there are a lot of people that are still feeling going broad is the way to go, right? And having fear that they're going to not be able to serve as many people as they want to and or they're going to be leaving money on the table. And that's literally just not the case. What have you found has been the biggest benefit from narrowing your niche?
1: I still get offers, to do other stuff that's not in my niche, which is funny because every time I think like, okay, I'm just going to focus on copy editing and translating. And then somebody comes in, it's like, hey, could you write some website text for me? And it's like, ah, yeah, sure. And it's like, oh, do I need to throw copywriter back into my, (laughs) into my mix? But really it's, you know, focusing, it just makes you more effective at your marketing and that's really the biggest benefit of it is you're not all over the place hey i've got the you know i've i'm doing webinars on this hey i'm doing live workshops on this completely unrelated topic hey you know i've got you know a services page on my website that lists 32 different things that I can do for every type of industry imaginable. It's like, well, you know, jack of all trades, master of none sort of you thing. my
0: mind. That's exactly what I was thinking for sure. Yeah, that's amazing. I have just one or two more questions and I'm wondering from your professional opinion, Where do you see the future of blogging with the rise of videos? Do you think that there will always be a space for business blogs in particularly, or do you think that video is gonna trump that medium?
1: I think there's always space for the written word. Everybody thought that eBooks would kill print books, but it hasn't. It's actually grown the market. And I think there is space for all of this, and it will depend on the content as well. You're not going to have as many people watching a video that works very well as a blog for the Wall Street Journal. The New York Times has a multitude of special niche blogs on its website. The Medium platform, wow. I mean that is, you know, to see how well Medium is doing with written, you know, digital essays and articles. You know, when you see how how popular that is, there is just no way that, you know, YouTube and TikTok are going to put Medium out of business unless there's like some total mismanagement there. That's that's the only thing that I see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and circling back to a brand that really knows their target audience, I think Medium does a really, really great job of that. I love how focused it is on the reader and the writer, and I don't have to worry about pop-up ads and distractions. So I really, I you know, if I'm going to put time and energy in, I, that's one of the places I love to get my information from. So I'm really happy that you brought that one up. Where can people connect with you?
1: Well, they can find me. I'm on lots of different social media, but they can find those links on my website at GeyerEditorial.com. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I would just say, you know, find me on Facebook at Geyer Editorial. I've got a page there. Yeah, those okay, are the I'll best places. Sure
0: put the links in the show notes. And I would love it if you could leave us with something that's inspired you or some bright light wisdom for the listeners.
1: Well, it's funny, you mentioned that consistency is part of my brand. And that really kind of hit me. I've never really thought about that. But yeah, for me, my bright light is just showing up and knowing that what you're doing is important for your clients.
0: It makes the whole thing worth it, right? Like you can have a full heart approaching your job knowing that there's going to be this impact and a grateful client on the other end because they're getting results. Right. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here. It was really fun.
1: Thank you so much, Casey. This was this was a lot of fun. And, you know, I, I love your show. I've been listening to it on Stitcher and yeah, keep up the great interviews with folks.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on Women Developing Brilliance. If so, head on over to Apple iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And I'd be grateful if you could leave a review or rating so more people can benefit from these inspirational stories about the solopreneur journey. Thank you.